Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I like doing it. You know, I love running routes. We better be in Florida. It better be sunny. And there better be some sort of fruity drink involved. With Matt Harmon. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clipped that. Looking forward to facing your mom at some point. Last night at the bar we were at, I had some really bad queso. I've never had no bad queso, really. It's Thursday, August 25th, and it's a special day because today, of all days, Dalton Del Don joins me to talk about our 49ers. Oh, my God, Dalton, the, 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 our, our favorite team, bro. This is it. This is what the listeners have been um, afraid of, probably, given how last offseason went with the 49ers. But this is what this, I like to think it's what they've been waiting for. Yeah, just like all these old former quarterbacks, Russell Wilson starting with uh, against the Broncos and Deshaun Watson happens to, to face the Texans the first game back. You know, I'm beginning to think it's not a coincidence they put me on this 49ers preview here. So let, let's do this, Matt. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think that is a coincidence at all. We're going to save that fun for the end of the show. For the meat of today's show, though, we're going to talk about, um, and we're actually, I, well, I sat down and ranked um, the new starting quarterbacks across the NFL in terms of how they're going to help their team's pass catchers. We'll get to that a little bit later as well, so because we got to tackle a few pieces of news here, and I would call them rumors, starting with this one. PFF's Doug Kayed reports that the Dolphins have, quote, brought up tight end Mike Gusecki's name to other teams. Dalton, I feel like I wanted to talk about this for a couple of different reasons. First of all, it feels like Mike Gusecki has been um, like we just have been doing our uh, our fade pieces, like our group pieces that the guys that were out on this year. Uh, for the website this week, whoever got in there and had the Mike Gusecki take first was like, you know, just taking the layup because it feels like he's been one of the easiest fades all off season because we knew he was transitioning to, you know, playing more traditional tight end after being kind of ba basically a slot receiver. He took like 7% of his snaps in line last year, but more of a wide receiver than Kyle Pitts, by the way. Um, and he basically said as much too after the last preseason game. So it would kind of make sense if he was, not it's he's obviously he's not part of this team's plan. I'll get back to that in a second. But in terms of Mike Gusecki, I don't know if he's actually going to end up getting traded because he's he's on the franchise tag right now. But I feel like if he went to the right situation and, and if you have any of those situations, I'd love to hear it. He'd actually be he'd suddenly go from a total fade to maybe actually a pretty good fantasy pick at a really uh, tough position. Yeah, he's a good player, but um, you're right. Given his situation, he was an obvious fade in fantasy, having to share targets with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. Uh, who knows Tua's durability, but mainly his new role where he's playing far more in line and having to block. That was the, the main concern with an entirely new coaching staff. But he was still being treated as a, when I wrote my tight ends column, his expert consensus rank was a tight end 13. So I'm mean, still being ranked in our community as a borderline starting fantasy tight end. And I'm let me tell you, Harmon, I'm going to cry if Kasiki is traded to the Cowboys. All these donkeys oh. drafting him uh, <laughs> wrong back then. And me, I've been drafting Dalton Schultz, who is considered a donkey pick by some too because you know a non-athletic guy I just love the situation when the bullets start flying in week one the Cowboys scored the most points in the NFL last year and Dak Prescott's second read is going to be Dalton Schultz so I think he's perfect situation fantasy but if Gasicki goes there I can light all those six rounders on fire that I used on Schultz so and it'd be great for Gasicki I mean if you like 
use targets in that. And that would just be like the night and day compared to situation now indoors from Dak. So yeah, Gasicki's an easy fade now, but a, a, a trade could quickly change that. Yeah. Lord podcast uh, suggested prior to taping, he said it to me that what about Denver as a spot? Obviously they're, oh. they're, you know, they're trying to get Albert. Oh, kind of worked up there. They're giving him extra reps in the preseason. Um, they lost Tim Patrick, who was basically going to be like their big slot Alan Lazard type. And if any receiver plays like a hybrid tight end dish role, it's Alan Lazard, which by the way, took like 4% of his snaps in line last year. It's not that many, but like that could be a pretty easy transition. That would be an interesting one there. Um, you know, just looking around the NFL, there's certainly spots to where, a player of this ilk is needed. What about the Giants? I know that kind of all of their receivers are are slot-ish guys. We'll talk about one here in a minute, but that would be a potentially interesting spot. So yeah, Gasecki could be one of those guys that was faded all offseason in best ball drafts. And actually, if he gets traded, would end up being a pretty decent fantasy pick. The other thing I wanted to talk about here, and I wanted to bring this up with you because obviously you're a Niners guy. We're talking about the Niners on the show. I saw Mitchell Schwartz, former uh, NFL offensive tackle, was a stud with the Chiefs and the Browns throughout his career. He said this this morning when this report was kind of getting circulated. Maybe don't try to make Gasecki into Kittle and he'll be a better fit. There's only one George Kittle. Good luck finding another type for that type of offense. We spent a whole offseason praising the genius of Mike McDaniel and he can't find a way to properly utilize a pass-catching tight end. Dalton... You, you said yourself, like, Mike Gusecki's a good player. He's just not a good player in this role. And if we generally think that, okay, good coaches cater to the talent on their roster, they obviously weren't going to be super invested in Gusecki. He was on the franchise tag. Um, and they have two frontline pass catchers in Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. Like, no matter what, Gusecki is, is the third guy in that pecking order. But this is an offense that could still use some guys beyond those two. And they're purposely kind of, whether he's off the roster or not, they're sticking him in a role that isn't right for his talent. Like they're making him learn a whole new position. Does that like kind of make you pause about McDaniel at all as an offensive coach that he's taking at what we think is a good player and almost like not even trying to sort of cater to his ability, but just rather putting him in the role that he needs for his offense. I'm not sure if it gives me pause. It's frankly, it's just not that surprising. Remember McDaniel was the run guy. He was the guy yeah. that, that controlled the run game in San Francisco, not the passing attack. And George Kittle, isn't going higher in fantasy, not just because of his injury risk, but also his role. He's, he rarely sees end zone targets or red zone targets. I mean, he's, uh, so he's been a problem. I mean, Ayuk has is, is lapped him when it comes inside the five targets of the last two years. George Kittle, one of the best athletes we've ever seen at the position, was used as a blocker a ton, is used as a blocker a ton in San Francisco. So it's not a surprise that Miami is going to be asked that position to do so here. And uh, yeah, it's it's pretty odd when a team's franchise player is, is now losing snaps to Durham Smythe. Right. Like, that's what I'm saying. Obviously, this team wants a guy to be out there and do the run blocking stuff that they need. But at the same time, you're you're trying to and you know Mike McDaniel's now on the on the Tyreek Hill thing where he's like out there just fawning all over Tua and all this offseason improvement he's made in in the media appearances I've seen recently you're trying to get the best out of this guy you've already you've already given him a lot to work with with Jalen Waddle and and this staff brought in in Tyreek Hill and, and Chase Edmonds as a pass catcher out of the backfield all that stuff but you're about to theoretically take away a great weapon for him you know Mike Gusecki is like a good pass catcher Dylan Smythe can be a better blocker all he wants but like he's not as good of a pass catcher as Mike Gusecki so I don't know just something that something that kind of raised a small like I'm not gonna call it a red flag but at least like made me raise an eyebrow, an, an eyebrow. yeah yeah exactly I think that's the way to say it so there's not really a take there but just something to think about I, I I think if you're if you're a Dolphins fan or whatever um so we'll see how the season goes they're still a very fascinating team and I would I would love to see Mike Gusecki on on another team at this point we need all Dalton we need all the help we can get when it comes to fantasy tight ends um three just kind of quick housekeeping news notes espn's jameson hensley speculates that mike davis quote could get most of the carries early in the season we talked about jk dobbins with edwin porras on on last on the last podcast yesterday definitely make sure to check that out he he's pretty skeptical of dobbins sounds like mike davis could have a pretty decent early season role this one a little bit surprising the Giants have activated my guy, Sterling Shepard, from the active PUP list. He had an Achilles injury late last year. I don't know how many snaps he's going to be ready to play, but 
You know, he could certainly eat into um, the target distribution here. Kenny Galladay's had a bad offseason. Kadarius Toney's still, you know, been in and out with injuries. Wandale Robinson's kind of taken the slot receiver role, but I think Shepard could potentially play as a flanker here, so keep an eye on that. And the Chiefs placed running back Derek Gore on injured reserve. You'd imagine this kind of just clears the rotation down uh, for the grinder carries to Pacheco and CEH. Dalton, any of those three uh, notes, like, really kind of pique your interest or, or make you have, make you take – um, a second look at anything. Quick thought on the Ravens running back situation. Not only is Lamar Jackson a threat to steal goal line carries, but over the last five years, he ranks dead last in target rate to running backs at 12.9%. Last among all quarterbacks. That's, that's really my only thought. None of this other stuff is that interesting to me. Let's, let's talk about the quarterbacks changing in the Niners. Let's get to the, to the good stuff. Yeah, Dalton's already uh, mentioned the Niners multiple times here uh, in the intro of the show. So let's get into the first section here. Is Sterling which... Shepard going to mess up Wandell Robinson week one, actually? I mean, they, it goes crazy at the slot. Uh, he's, you know, I, I, what is there? I, I know you love Shepard there. Theoretically, the Giants have all kinds of goods on paper, but Tony's always hurt. So I don't want to dismiss your guy, Shepard. Sorry, part of your brain. No, morning, no, no, so, no, no. So you quickly, can go dismiss. Ahead. I mean, I don't think Sterling Shepard's going to have a big role, or at least I don't want my... Um, I don't want to set myself up for another round of disappointment, but he is a good player every time he's out there. Like he earns targets he, like crazy. He earns exactly. Targets. He earns targets. Daniel Jones loves him because he always gets open and none of these other guys are really reliable route runners at this stage of their career. I mean, we'll see about Wondell Robinson. He's a rookie coming in the NFL, but I just, I, I would keep an eye on Shepard, but the probably the strong bet is that he is fourth in terms of snaps at best for this team in the early part of the season. that That's the thing. I just wonder, like, long-term, this staff didn't sign Kenny Galladay to that big dumbass contract, like, and he's clearly been kind of a disappointment so far in New York. Might he take, uh, might they, you know, move, I, don't, I just don't know who would play X if, if Kenny Galladay's not out there, but I don't want to spend a bunch, you're right, I don't want to spend a bunch of time talking about the damn Giants receivers. Like, let's get into what we really want to talk about here, which is these quarterbacks. So, I said this to Frank a couple of episodes ago that, at the time we recorded the podcast, 19 of the top 40 receivers in Yahoo ADP were going to be playing with a new quarterback this year, whether that was by wide receiver trade or quarterback movement. We have nine new starting quarterbacks in the NFL. So what I did is I went in and ranked these guys in order of best, like good news for the guys on the roster that these quarterbacks were brought into uh, maybe not so good news. Uh, one to nine here starting, I think. There's a clear tier of one here, Dalton, and it's Russell Wilson up at the top. We know he's a huge benefit for these Denver pass catchers. Although the longer that Russ has been there, it actually kind of feels like the target distribution here has narrowed out at this point because Albert O is not going to have the role that most thought, at least early in the season. I'm not totally giving up on him, but at least early in the in the year, he's not going to have the role that many hoped for. And obviously, Tim Patrick is out for the season. KJ Hamler isn't even taking a part of team drills yet. So this is really kind of the, the Sutton and Judy show for Russ. And I think that's a big win for both. A few things. Let's, let's say Russell Wilson's fantasy value himself. He's going to be 34 years old this year. And at least as I understand it from people locally who follow Seattle, he was traded in part because he just refused to run RPO last season. I mean, you can look at his rushing stats, but it was more to it. I just think he's the guy who's looked at his career and decided, made, a, made a conscious decision to stop running. So that is going to limit his upside a bit. That said, his YPA was, I believe he was leading the league in YPA before the finger injury. He played through that mallet injury that's serious. Um, so he could still be one of the league's best passers at this stage of his career. That's why people were drafting uh, Sutton insanely high. I just, I, I'm going to, I included, I have a, a bust for every team article coming up today when you hear this. And um, I included Sutton there and I said, before wow. Tim Patrick went, before T Tim Patrick went down, he was one of the most egregious looking picks I've seen in a while. Now he's just every day a little bit overvalued, but being drafted as a top 20 fantasy pick last year in 10 games when Judy, Patrick and Sutton played together, Sutton averaged 3.8 targets compared to five for Patrick and 5.6 for Judy. In 10 games, he was averaging his 3.8 targets. Put differently, his PPR score, and he was the wide receiver 13 without Judy, wide receiver 152 with him the target the yards per target it's not just targets the yards per target it dropped from 2.1 to 0 0.48 when judy yeah. was on the field this is with judy playing with a high ankle sprain mind you yeah. i get it now that there's russell wilson there but just so we're clear 83 percent of sutton's fantasy points came with judy off the field last year so all those people drafting him were saved so much when tim patrick got hurt i mean they were just so so saved but 
He did get hurt. He's out for the year now. So Sutton could smash, be a top 20 fantasy wideout, definitely within his range of possibilities. Just realize that if you look at BetMGM's uh, odds, uh, Jerry Judy has a higher over-under in receptions, yardage, and touchdowns. Yet Sutton's going ahead of him in every draft. Uh, I get that there's buzz out there that there's a good connection with Russell and, and, and Sutton. If you mentioned before, or that, that Russell Wilson is a different type of quarterback too. So very interesting. Uh, you got to obviously add a huge upgrade to both those guys, despite me saying that Sutton's being drafted a little too high. But um, but yeah, that that's my thoughts with the receivers. And real quickly, I heard a a great comment that that, that put the Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon situation into perspective. What if your employer? Um, asked you to go from 8.5 million to 2.5 million pay cut. Would you expect to have the same role that next year? Because that's what happened with the Melvin Gordon situation in Denver. Mm, that is a really good, uh, a really good way of putting it. That makes a ton of sense. Uh, and you know, same same staff there. So that 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 lines up to me. I love that you brought up just the whole point about Russ's exit from Seattle. Obviously, I think there was some tension between him and Pete Carroll and just like philosophical differences and stuff like that. You know, he, he's, I say this all the time. He's a great quarterback, obviously, but he's a specific type of quarterback. And I'm, I'm not a hundred percent convinced that Russ really believes that. Like if you hear him talk, like he wants to be regarded as like a Drew Brees type of quarterback, you know, but he's, he's just not that guy that said, they always churn out good offenses in Seattle with him there. Like regardless of what you think about, you know, how often uh, are, are, you know, how often they're running the ball, the run pass ratios, all that stuff. You can take notes of that. But like even last year in a year where Russ didn't play his best ball was hurt. Seattle was seventh in offensive DVOA. Like they are still, uh, they consistently turn out good offenses. And I think that is mostly a Russell Wilson thing. I think the Denver Broncos will be a good offense, but to your point about Cortland Sutton, yeah, he just didn't play that well last year, I don't think. He was getting a ton of targets when all the other guys were hurt, but I think narrowing down the target tree to Sutton and Judy makes them both passable picks. Because um, I think you could also argue that folks that were drafting Jerry Judy really high were kind of saved by the Tim Patrick injury too. Because like Judy was average last year while playing through a high ankle sprain, admittedly, but he hasn't quite put it together. There's been some off the field stuff with Jerry Judy. We know that happened earlier this year too. So I think that both of these guys are good. I think Russell's good at his ADP. I do still kind of stand by my take though, which is almost like a half hedge take. Cause if it doesn't happen, I can, you know, quickly back out of it that there's a small part of me that thinks we could be getting here around like week six and seven with the Denver Broncos. And like, Oh, this is really like not that great. Cause these receivers were kind of overhyped based on um, their draft pedigree, stuff like that. And Russell is, not quite molded yet with Nathaniel Hackett, and they're still trying to figure that relationship out. A couple quick things. Uh, it's a great point about Judy. Uh, drafters were possibly saved as well. Um, if you look at uh, receivers from his class in end zone targets, he's laughably like, it's like not oh, yeah. even top 20 or something. My guy Gabe Davis is like second, by the way. Um, <laughs> but but Russell Wilson is um, perennially among the league leaders. He and, and Brady and Allen just just throw the ball in the end zone more than all the other quarterbacks. Um, so here I have a question for you here. Looking at going over that data, a fantasy points is a great column. Just saying the last five years, um, the, the target rate for every quarterback in the league. And Russell Wilson ranks fourth and barely, basically third in slot rate, targeting the slot receiver. So... Isn't that more of a Judy role also, or am I off base on that? Well, I think the Patrick injury kind of messes that up, right? Because I had thought, and, you know, the reports from Robert Mays and a few others were that, it, it, you know, Tim Patrick was going to kind of be their big slot receiver because they want some oomph there, this offensive system, Nathaniel Hackett as the slot receiver with him injured, like, the other guy, like, we should talk about the fact that the other receivers on this roster, if KJ Hamler is not ready to rock yet, and he's come back from a serious injury, and he hasn't, he's mostly been doing individual drills. And so Albert far. O, like the, if you look at the history of, yeah. of tight ends who played in the fourth quarter of preseason games, it does not look good. And he's been no. my sleeper all offseason. I mean, it looks brutal. I don't know what they're doing with him, but yeah, they don't, they don't like him. Well, they said he needs more reps. I didn't, then other folks say that they want Greg Dulcich, the tight end they drafted this year, to be that guy too. So there's a chance that Dulcich ends up becoming like the big slot receiver move tight end of this offense. Totally plausible. I, I don't know how that situation is going to shake out. I think by week five, we could see Alberto like in a full-time role. I think it's kind of a stretch to think that Dulcich, who's not been healthy all offseason either, is ready to go. I, think that, I just think that what I keep coming back to with the Broncos is that there's a lot more questions here than people – 
kind of make it out to be. And like, it is a question of where Jerry Judy is going to play. Cause I think he should be more of a flanker receiver. I don't want to see him like a vertical guy that's winning on the outside. I don't want to see him doing those stupid little slot route stuff. Cause it's just not really like, he's a fine zone beater, but you really want him out there running routes and separating its man coverage on the outside. Cause I think that's what he was good at coming into the NFL. But I think this, the la- the previous Denver staff was a little weird about moving him around too much. Like based on, it's the same thing with a guy like CD lamb where I said that Dallas needs to figure out the role they want for CD Lamb and leave him there, not like move him around based on who else is injured and stuff like that. I think the same thing is kind of true with Jerry Judy. Um, although I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth because like his role might change now with Tim Patrick there. So and don't forget um, suffering a high ankle sprain week one. It's easy to say yeah. it and then move on, carry on. But no, 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 really. He was probably playing yes. at whatever percentage, very not close to 100 percent for the entire last season. Yeah, his rookie year in reception perception, Judy was a 75% success rate versus man. Like, historically, the guys that hit that mark go on, other than Sterling Shepard, who we talked about earlier, (laughs) but he's a good player. He just gets hurt all the time. Those guys go on to find extreme career success. Like, there's not a lot of failures. I mean, there's no, no, like, true failures that have hit that mark. Um, There's been guys like Curtis Samuel who have been off and on. um, But for the most part, that's a really good indicator. And then he went all the way down to 68%, which is, you know, just above the league average. So I think that. That's the drop off there is because of injury um, that I think as well. So no, I I think to to your point here, I want to do an episode at some point, uh, probably next week, like guys, teammates who are going after their teammates that could outscore the other guy. Yeah. I think Judy kind of fits into this. Like I wouldn't be you. If we wake up and Judy has been the better fantasy receiver than Cortland Sutton, despite every beat writer saying Sutton is the guy. I don't think we can really be surprised by that. I personally have Judy ranked higher. Um, yeah, and we'll get to the whole, I, and I think Ayuk and Debo have a good chance of uh, flipping too, more than, definitely more than the ADP suggests between the two Broncos receivers, but we'll get to them later. So who's the next QB? Number two for me is Trey Lance, uh, but we're going to skip Trey Lance and talk about him in the Niners section. We went long on Russ because, by the way, like yeah. he's the clear-cut tier one yeah, of for these sure. guys here. So I promise I won't spend, uh, you know, freaking 15 minutes talking about Geno Smith when we get to that point. Um, number three for me, though, is Matt Ryan. I think Matt Ryan is a huge upgrade on Carson Wentz. They're really excited about Matt Ryan in Indianapolis. Um, you know, I think mostly because they got super lucky that this Matt Ryan thing even became available to them, even became an option to them, but they're kind of expecting him to be based on what I've read and heard. They're expecting him to be sort of, um, what they got out of Phillip rivers a few years ago, but with a little more, arm strength to be able to throw outside a little more um, even mobility there too, like a willingness to go under center and do play action and all that stuff. I just really, the longer I think about this Matt Ryan thing, the more I think this is a huge win for the Colts. We know it's a huge win for Michael Pittman Dalton, but there's some, uh, it's getting to the point where I'm getting really intrigued by some of the guys lower on the depth chart as well. Yeah. Pittman's my wide receiver seven uh, Paris Campbell. I've been drafting everywhere. Uh, yeah, a big, big upgrade. Look at the on-target rates last year. Wentz was bottom three. Ryan was top 10. He was top five when pressured. Just a big, big upgrade in accuracy here. Not downfield, though, it should be noted, as we'll get to later. Um, looking at like Mariota, I mean, maybe the difference in QBs will help Pitts there. And But he'll benefit from a, a ton of play action. I think Carson Wentz was like top four in that last year. So very good environment. Remains indoors. Really good receivers that have been upgraded from the quarterback. So nice. Maybe Matt Ryan, not the greatest fantasy QB, but really helps everyone there, uh, you know, everyone else there involved. Yeah, I think that's the thing. You're not drafting Matt Ryan in fantasy unless you're in a super flex format or two QB. But even guys that you didn't mention, like Moali Cox at tight end, I think is worth keeping an eye on. It sounds like he's ready to take on some of like Jack Doyle's old routes there, which is basically the shorter high percentage routes, while also still being involved in the downfield game from a tight end perspective. And Alec Pierce, man, I I don't know that Alec Pierce is going to be a guy that is out there week one playing 80% of the snaps or anything like that, but it sounds like they're really excited about him. And, you know, Michael Pittman is a guy who wins on those intermediate routes more than people like people don't understand that Michael Pittman is a, is like a legit number one receiver that can run every route and separate all levels. Cause he played with Carson Wentz last year and Wentz is just so different of a type of quarterback, but man, he, he can do it all. And then I think that leaves Alec Pierce to be 
the vertical outside receiver, the X receiver who gets off press coverage. I talked about him with Andy uh, a couple episodes ago as um, I compared him to the bad evaluations of DK Metcalf. Slants post and goes, baby. That's the Alec Pierce route portfolio. So I think Matt Ryan definitely, I felt really good about putting him as the third player here. Number four for me, went back and forth between Baker Mayfield and Carson Wentz. I landed on Baker Mayfield at four and felt pretty good about that. Mayfield officially named the Panthers starter uh, earlier this week. He's a league average quarterback, Dalton, but league average quarterback play for the Carolina Panthers, that's a lot better than what they've got in the last few years. Alec Pierce, by the way, definitely agree. He's been impressing and he's surpassed Campbell. Uh, it's happened in the last week in ADP. You'll have to draft him ahead of him, which I, which I get, Campbell, with the injury history. Uh, Baker Mayfield, I mentioned on this pod before, but 20 of 60 career games uh, have occurred in windy conditions. Last year, he played with the torn labrum, non-throwing shoulder, but still... Uh, I, I like the fact that he easily surpassed Sam Darnold. Remember when there was a thought, like it's going to be a briefly a thought, there's a battle. I mean, that happened yeah. in about two days. Um, <laughs> so I moved DJ Moore as my wide receiver eight. I, I, I wow, in, let's go. Lo- absolutely love love him, and I'm and it's more confident in, in McCaffrey too. So I, yeah, I, I I think it's a big big upgrade from the probably the worst starting quarterback situation in the league to league average. That is a gigantic upgrade. So yeah, I, I'm I'm in on Mayfield and the Panthers. I I want to see DJ Moore and CMC come combined for 300 targets this year let's let's see it bring it honestly it's it's possible right um i love that you have dj Moore ranked that aggressively because i feel like i have him at wide receiver 12 and i feel like i'm out a little bit on an island there as usual dalton del flamethrower out even farther <laughs> on the ledge we love to see that look dj Moore, i think is a really good player i i still wish they'd use him a little more creatively. I don't love how this Panthers coaching staff has just kind of stuck him out at the X receiver position. I'm never going to love that, but he's still good enough to, to win there. Would love to see him in, um, you know, a Debo Samuel type of role, not necessarily getting the carry stuff like that, but you know, winning on intermediate routes, getting moved around the formation stuff like that, but they don't really use him that way. But nevertheless, I think that like Odell Beckham's game and, uh, Baker Mayfield's game were never really going to overlap. I do think there's a really clear overlap here for DJ Moore. Um, so I'm drafting him aggressively. Uh, Dalton, all we're asking for is like freaking six to seven, like six to eight touchdowns for DJ Moore. And I think if he gets the target volume that he did last year, I think that's well within the range of outcomes. Yeah, it's just been, yeah, touchdowns are a big thing. And it hasn't been just fluky, horrible luck. The guy was not targeted in the red zone at all. And I get he's not yeah. huge. So. Yeah, hopefully there's a fundamental change there, and I can't argue with you that there is a concern with the coaching staff in Carolina. Uh, yeah, definitely a concern. And by the way, it sounds like uh, I was reading the in the Athletic that you know this is no surprise too. Here's here's another one of like the guys I always I will stand every single year, uh, mostly just for the bit. But Rashard Higgins, you know, is a pretty good player. He was signed to this team before they traded for Baker Mayfield. No surprise, those two guys have connected pretty well. It sounds like, number one, that Rashard Higgins is probably going to play ahead of Terrace Marshall, who was terrible last year. Very Jalen Rager-esque uh, in terms of separating and getting open, which is not what you want to hear. So it, it sounds like he's surpassed Marshall, but there's a chance he might even eat into Robbie Anderson's targets. I, I know that like you're not if Robbie Anderson continues to play poorly like he did last year. So just keep an eye on that. I know, I'm not telling you to draft Rashard Higgins. I'm not trying to go out and be the Higgins stand, but it does sound like the main point there is like, it's going to be McCaffrey, and it's going to be DJ Moore, and really, we you can just kind of log out after that. Fair. All right, number five for me. This is where it starts to get a little murky. I feel really good about that top, and I feel good about having Carson Wentz at five, but you, we know the deal with Carson Wentz, man. You know, the inaccuracy, the uh, volatility in his play, that's always going to be a part of the Carson Wentz experience. But that said, I've said it many times in this podcast, I do really like the pass catchers on this team. Logan Thomas activated, uh, excuse me, Lynchburg, Virginia, the pride of Lynchburg, Virginia, Logan Thomas activated from the PUP list. Would love to see him get back out there and roll, rock and rolling at some point. But, you know, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel, that's a good receiver core. Thomas mixing in at some point. We we need someone to elevate these guys. I don't know how much Wentz elevates them, but um, I'm still really really in on drafting these receivers where they go. 
Yeah, may, I have been down on McLaurin um, because of Wentz's inaccuracy, but maybe I'm too harsh. You know, last year he was like the 16th fantasy QB in points per game. Um, but, you know, he also, like I said, benefited from a ton of play action, a pretty good offensive line and playing indoors. Now he's outdoors on another team. Um, hasn't been great buzz about his uh, ability to throw the yeah. football this summer. Honestly, this may sound like a craziest uh, boldest prediction, but it would not shock me if Sam Howell, the rookie, emerges as that team's best quarterback this season. That's why I think it's scary to draft Terry in fantasy leagues. He's like a top 20 fantasy wideout, and I think he's still going to have problems with the quarterback position, especially with Johan Dotson. As you said, he's reportedly shown the most chemistry too with, with Wentz. So um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess they're, they're going from one bad quarterback to another, but maybe Wentz is, is able to, to help elevate some fantasy values despite being inaccurate. Uh, Jahan Dotson, of course, he's shown the best chemistry with Carson Wentz because Jahan Dotson is an expert at playing with bad quarterbacks. So that's, I mean, we, so we obviously Terry McLaurin's done it as well, but you watch some of the Penn State. Ooh, boy. Yeah, that guy can track some uh, inaccurately thrown footballs. Will, will Jahan Dotson? I love Jahan Dotson as a player. Obviously, I'm in on McLaurin and Samuel, too. The last point I'll make if this is a power ranking of the guys who are going to help their teammates the most, I will say, and this is not to excuse. Washington, you know, I think kind of overpaying for Carson Wentz, but I think the reason that they went out and made this pretty aggressive move to an early move to get Carson Wentz was because like you said, they're going from bad quarterback to bad quarterback, no shade to ODU's finest, uh, Taylor Heineke, but the guy was a backup quarterback in the XFL Dalton. Like I know he's had some moments in the NFL, but He's got like, I mean, he just doesn't have an NFL arm, period. Um, So I do think going from a barely NFL level player to a functional but not great NFL quarterback in Carson Wentz is good news for this offense. Um, But I'm I'm ready to be just slaughtered by (laughs) by the hope that I have here. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I like Terry McLaurin has ended up on none of my teams, but I hope I'm wrong because I love the real life player, man, and he deserves better. Uh, yeah, deserves better is definitely uh, <laughs> the way to put it. All right, Dalton and I are going to take a quick break. We're going to round out this quarterback list when we come back before getting into our Niners. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, number six for me, I've got the combination of Kenny Pickett slash Mitch Trubisky, which I, I don't know. This might be aggressive to have uh, these guys at six, but let me tell you what, the the three guys after them, not great either. Dalton, I am I said it on the show with Andy a couple of episodes ago. I'm officially on team just start Kenny Pickett at this point. Like, let's not be messing around with Mitch Trubisky. Where do you fall on this? couple things. I may have buried Kenny Pickett too much. I, I didn't love him as a prospect. And I may have admittedly fallen for some P- Pittsburgh beat writers who had, you know, an agenda because uh, he certainly looked a lot better once the real, you know, uh, not real games, but in preseason, um, yeah. a- aside from practice, uh, maybe I fell for the small hands narrative too. Um, I also wanted to correct myself on a Trubisky stat. I talked here about um, the fact how his, David Montgomery would saw less targets when he was quarterbacking back in Chicago. Well, this quarterback positional targets article that I spoke about, Trubisky's actually targeted running backs the second most behind only Tom Brady uh, running backs over the last five years. So that's great news for Najee Harris. Um, although the emergence of Jalen Warren and the fact that offense could still stink and and a lesser workload, those issues still remain. Deontay Johnson has these big splits target rate uh, with Big Ben on off the field, very small sample. So I'm curious how that works with, and now we have to worry about two quarterbacks, maybe even three in Pittsburgh. Um, no. But um, I don't think but, yeah, we see Mason Rudolph. I, okay. I, I, I'm, I'm, yeah. Now that Pickett's, I think, at least moved himself into the competition with Trubisky, I think we can put the Mason Rudolph. I mean, I hope we can put the Mason Rudolph thing to bed. 
Yeah, I'm curious to see if Deontay Johnson's still, you know, a target hog and how George Pickens does. He looks like he could be a fantasy difference maker immediately. And now Claypool, uh, you know, as the big slot, maybe he can go back to uh, maybe not a lot of catches, but back to a lot of touchdowns. But oh, could these quarterbacks, even if Pickett does have a bright future, he's likely to struggle year one regardless. So it's not a it's not a great situation, but it can't be emphasized enough just how bad big the, the version of Big Ben was the final two years. I mean, his YPA was probably the last in the NFL. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. It was it was a rough watch uh, there with Big Ben. <laughs> Good God, I'm glad we don't have to see that anymore. I will say, Kenny Pickett is getting the ball out quick. He's like really kind of moving the offense from a tempo perspective. So if you are drafting Deontay Johnson, and I've got him at wide receiver 18, which is you know depending on the format, just below or right around his consensus ranking. I I think that you probably want Pickett out there because. I love I think Deontay Johnson can win at all levels like if they asked him to you know be a vertical threat he could do that but the base of his game where he's so great is earning that quick separation is being the first guy open on the route and I think that will fit in really well with Kenny Pickett um and I'm I'm definitely whoever these guys are like Mitch Trubisky Kenny Pickett whatever I, I think they fit uh, George Pickens because George Pickens is a type of quarterback proof receiver in in some way so um, I'm, I'm open to these guys kind of helping out these receivers because Big Ben was just so dreadful and it's I know some Steelers fans can't bear to hear it it's it it just is what it is though it's not even necessarily that Big Ben was cooked from an arm strength perspective it's that he just refused to do things like have the team do a lot of motion he refused to go under center and run play action like turn his back to the defense at all um you've even could see it watching preseason i'm not sure it's like the best gonna be the best offense in the world but like matt canada's got like double jet motion going on in these preseason games so <laughs> i think he's excited to work with one of these younger quarterbacks and pick it from a fantasy perspective he can he can move a little bit you know he's not like a like a pocket pat, like a pure pocket passer statue type guy. So he could bring some decent fantasy value in an offense that I, I think is underrated. Let's talk Atlanta next, man. You're underrating uh, my guy Marcus Mario now. Maybe not the update. No, yeah, part, but... let's let's talk Mariota because Mariota's looked awesome in the in the preseason. Um, and I, like I said, I I could see. I mean, would you put Mariota ahead of? Uh, you put him ahead of the Steelers guys. It sounds like. Would you put him ahead of Wentz on this list? So well, we're talking about two different things, real life. Uh, first of all, it's actually, I've come to the conclusion, this is a big upgrade for Kyle Pitts. I mean, you look at the air, the air yards version of Matt Ryan to, uh, attempts 15 plus air yards versus both Mariota's career rates and their preseason rates. It's jumping 10% on all the 10 yeah. plus, 15 plus, 20 plus. And we all saw that highlight of Pitts the other day, just, just, just toasting the, the DB. So, uh, I mean, Pitts is definitely getting drafted based on, on some projection there coming off last year. But uh, I'm in. Uh, Mariota, former number two overall pick, 7.5 career YPA. He can still run. He ran in a TD from the six-yard line the other preseason game. And as you said, he looks good. Uh, maybe year two, Arthur Smith is smarter. He has Pitts moving around more at coach. Uh, Drake London there, a couple decent receivers. They'll be playing from behind if you like that narrative. Indoors, there's definitely a strong chance uh, Desmond Ritter is starting during the yeah. fantasy playoffs. But in my sleeper column, I said Mariota absolutely can be a top 12 fantasy QB in the meantime until they turn to the rookie. I think he really can be a QB one in fantasy purposes, wow. given his situation and the fact and his running. His it, it, That's just the cheat code. And, and there's one. Maybe if I'm exaggerating, it's only top 15, but he's right there with Daniel Jones only in, you know, indoors uh, as the type of guy who could uh, no one wants. But when he's on the field, this again, he will, probably will not be there when it matters most for fantasy uh, when they turn to the rookie. But but I think in the meantime, he's absolutely one of the best. Super flex uh, sleepers. Yeah, Ritter's looked good in the preseason too. Yes, he has too. Yeah, yeah. I, I will say this about Mariota, man. Seeing his kind of um, spot starts, like little moments he had with the Raiders, and then in this preseason, he blew up. He blew up. Yeah, I kind of think that Mariota's had a little bit of a career epiphany. Do you remember like the last few years with the Titans? He was so gun shy. Yeah, was, he, he took was, the longest to throw and threw like the shortest or so. It was like a horrible yes, combo. It was a yes. horrific. Yeah. Yeah. He he had like lost his nerve as a quarterback. And he'd always been a little bit of a robotic guy, but and I know this is totally narrative based, you know, not based on any sort of statistical analysis, but I, I feel like watching Mariota the last like with the Raiders and then in this preseason, he's he's kind of got a little bit of like a it type of mode with to him right now which i think is good and i think could be good in this offense too Pitts is a is a matchup nightmare we know that i'd still say and i know this is and this is not just because i don't want to chart him okay as a wide receiver <laughs> i want to see Pitts play more like sort of 
traditional tight end stuff as opposed to X receiver. Um, because I think he'll be more, he'll be more of a matchup nightmare there and he'll be harder to defend in that sort of role. Drake London, I think he'll get back out there. And like, I think Mariota, if he's slinging it downfield, like Drake London's the guy you sling it downfield to as well. In addition to being a really good separator on those short routes. So I kind of think like, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm buying what you're selling on Mariota here from a fantasy perspective, but also as a guy that could really pump a lot of targets to these two guys. And, and I think it's mostly going to be them. And, and that's it. like, they're talking about Kaderil Hodge might start for this team. So it's going to be those two guys in fantasy for sure. First of all, I love that uh, suddenly both Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota are starting in the NFL entering the season. Very weird. You saw the hard knocks when it says starting quarterback Marcus Mariota and, and Aiden Hutchinson's sister sisters looked at each other like Mariota. He's still in the league. Uh, that was a uh, pretty funny. And one other narrative street I want to go down here in Atlanta. They don't have a running back on the roster either. I mean, yeah, uh, Patterson is over 30 years old and got like two yards per carry over the final month last year. So, I, I mean, I, I, Algier was drafted very late. So, I mean, Mariota could get a handful of rushing scores, too, at the goal line. So, yeah, count me yeah. in. Yeah, Patterson, too, I think is still undervalued as a running back. Like some he goes like 40 something at different times. Uh, he's going to have a bigger role than that. He's You're 30 and a half years You're... old. Who get, He totally wore down last year, man. I love the story last year, and he helped me in one of my big survivor weeks, but um, I'll forever love the GOAT, Patterson. But he was the best player in the field that day uh, when I had to take it. Uh, they were, they were, uh, they were, it was a pick em, so I had him in the, in the big $6 million survivor. Um, but but I, 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 I agree with his fall in, in, in drafts this year. I've never seen Dalton look more like he wants to throw up after after something I've said on the podcast and the grimace he just made when I talked about Cordero Patterson. So we'll move right along to, oh, the, the very, as I've called it, unserious quarterback situation that the Seahawks are dealing with. Um, Pete Carroll this week has said he, he they're going to take all the time uh, you know he, they need to make this quarterback decision. I, I think Geno Smith is starting at least the beginning of the season. Drew Locke missed some time with COVID, was sick. Um, Geno's been the guy taking most of the first team reps pretty much all offseason. So I'm expecting Geno, and I've got him second to last, you know, on this list of new starting quarterbacks here. He's not is not good news for for Lockett and Metcalf, that's for sure. Yeah, there's also, uh, I think Warren Sharp put it out, there's the highlights of Drew Locke's 10 deepest thrown pass attempts last year, and it's uh, almost, uh, it should have a Benny Hill comedy I'm not uh, watching that, I'll tell you what. In, in, in the background, but so Metcalf has seen his air yards per game cut in half and his target share fall below Tyler Lockett when Geno Smith has been his quarterback. Yeah, uh, yeah other than that, the play was great, but he's also, he also just lost a quarterback who's been the league leader in end zone targets since, in, I believe DK Metcalf leads the league in end zone targets since entering the league, so lost... Uh, uh, the, the downgrade from Russell Wilson to Geno Smith or Drew Locke is uh, massive. And I've been, I have Metcalf and, and Lockett on zero of my fantasy teams. Although Lockett admittedly is free falling so far in some, yeah. he's almost become a value. I've got Lockett on, on some teams. I mean, talk about like the guys uh, that I love, love Tyra Lockett, the player. And I just, I mean, you said it like the target share was there for for Lockett when Geno Smith was starting. Obviously, the fantasy results were there for Metcalf because he scored a couple that like one huge touchdown against the Saints, Marshawn Lattimore in coverage. Um, there was a few other like bigger plays there, but the, if you're doing like the process play, like Lockett was the guy that Geno Smith really, and I think that's kind of goes against the narrative of oh Russell Wilson and Lockett's chemistry. That's what has really made Tyler Lockett. But I mean, these guys are both great players. Like the gap shouldn't be as big. Um, I have drafted Z DK Metcalf zero times, and I have drafted Tyler Lockett a couple of times. So and I'll I guess Fant is being used sparsely, so it might just be such a concentrated uh, exactly. wide receiver group with banged up backs. I mean, if Walker's already sidelined indefinitely, and and my guy Penny, yeah, I mean that could turn and do a, a quite a target uh, for Lockett and, and Metcalf just out of necessity they've run so few plays compared to the rest of the league but if you're playing from behind from the uh, right when you get off the bus that may have to change that yeah last year they were insanely low in plays run but I, I they might be a little higher this year we'll see last guy here it's Jacoby Brissett's, you know, sort of slash Deshaun Watson I mean Watson's gonna be out for 11 games we talked about this a few podcasts ago Dalton I don't even want to really consider Watson when I'm thinking about like Amari Cooper and some of these other pass catchers. It sounds like though, that nobody from a wide receiver perspective has been impressing in training camp aside from Amari Cooper. Um, Amari Cooper's never been a target dominator. 
and Jacoby Brissett's never been a guy that's like elevated wide receivers before. He has shown some decent um, enough chemistry with tight ends during his time with the Colts. Um, so I, I'm, I'm interested there from that angle, from like a David and Joku uh, side of it. I, I'm, I've been, I've been pro, you know, to steal Scott's phase. I've been proactively drafting David and Joku when I, whenever I don't take like one of the top nine tight ends, which I I'd really rather do than wait on the position. So for me, I, I think that's it, though. Like, I I'm, I still don't want to draft Amari Cooper where he goes. Yeah, it's wild that Amari Cooper has never exceeded a 22% target share throughout his career. Now he goes outdoors and has Brissett throwing to him the first 11 games. No thanks. My big takeaway with Brissett, uh, my, uh, my target rate quarterback article, uh, Brissett number three behind only Lamar Jackson and Carson Wentz in target rates to tight ends over the last five years. So, yep, wheels up for Njoku, who, whom I have ranked as a borderline borderline top 12 fantasy i think he's number 13 but i can move him ahead of smith easily so a borderline starting fantasy tight end agree with you there and uh boy lamar jackson easily leads that category by the way so whether it's huntley or jackson with no marquise brown there uh man i love i i cannot see taking travis kelsey over over mark andrews yeah, I made the switch to have Mark Andrews tight end one, and and I think this Isaiah Likely hype from the preseason is 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 interesting. Not that he's going to take away from Mark Andrews uh, or Rashad Bateman. They need a third option there, hundred uh, percent. So Isaiah Likely, keep your keep your eye on that. We know the Ravens are going to run a lot of tight ends. That's how that's how uninteresting this Browns thing is. Is that uh, we just started talking about their division rival Ravens? So let's move on. Enjoyed yeah, that. <laughs> that was uh, yeah, on let's me. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean I think that's a clear signal. We don't need to talk about the Browns anymore third and three we'll see a pick of some kind on the right side possibly montana looking looking throwing in the end zone Dwight Clark. so let's move on to our niners the team preview that we've all been waiting for all right dalton we, I said I had Trey Lance number two in terms of guys that are going to elevate his teammates. I firmly believe that, at least from, um, you know, the passing volume might not be there, right, with Trey Lance. But I, I just want to set the table with this, Dalton, that there's been a lot of panic about, you know, Trey Lance's accuracy, you know, what's he been doing in practice. I think that we need to bake into the range of outcomes for all the pass catchers and for Trey Lance. That Trey Lance just might come out there and be really, really good because this offense is a, is a system that's brought like layups to quarterbacks throughout the entire course of the Kyle Shanahan. You know, even back to Mike Shanahan run, they're going to give Trey Lance the layups from a system perspective. I think he'll take them when they're there, but he'll also bring deep shots to this team as well. So. I, I just think that this Trey Lance thing could actually like work out really well. You know, there was panic about Lamar Jackson. There was panic about Josh Allen, you know, all of these guys. And they, and you know, even, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, there wasn't as much panic about per se, because the chiefs at least were like, we love Patrick Mahomes. And like, and he's lighted it up in practice. Everybody that watched him in practice, like knew he was awesome. Even if there was a couple reports about he's been throwing interceptions, that type of stuff. So I don't want to say like that, you know, Trey Lance is going to become those guys. I don't think he's going to become Patrick Mahomes and like win the MVP in his second season or something like that. But there's a chance that he's just way better than people think. Okay, so yeah, so there are some up and down practice reports with Trey Lance as a 49ers fan, which we need to establish here. First, I'm a, I'm a homer. Um, I'm choosing to believe it's because of their defense, which looks really, really strong on paper this year. So I bet on him in Vegas, 50 to one to win the MVP. It's an MVP. It's a quarterback award. All, all of the uh, all the last winners have been MV, have been quarterbacks of teams with the top two seeds in the league, and um, a lot of them, by, by half of those six winners have been odds 30 to one or greater. And he's taken over a team that led the league in yards per play last year, had a 10 point lead in the champion NFC championship game and you know, had Nick Mullins has the second most passing yards in NFL history over his first 16 games because of this situation and this coaching staff. And now imagine if Debo, IU uh, can Kittle all stay healthy. So uh, yeah, I mean, uh, there's a real chance that, that Lance is immediately good, both in fantasy, by the way, because he just runs so much. I mean, he led all quarterbacks in scrambles per drop back last year and in real life, whether there's definitely going to be some mistakes. Do you know that he has three starts since 2019? Yep. Three starts. It's wild. I mean, it's almost 2023 right now. I mean, he's the seventh youngest starting quarterback ever. But regardless, one thing is clear. 
this will be a different offense uh, under Trey Lance compared to Jimmy Garoppolo. 45% of Lance's throws have traveled 10 yards or more beyond the line of scrimmage. Just 32% of Garoppolo's did that. Uh, deep throws, 20, 20 yards or deeper, 10% more for, for Lance. Um, so big, big difference there. It's really, I mean, Ayuk not only worked with him all offseason when Debo was, was holding out for, for, for the contract, but, I mean, it's just also the area of the field in which Ayuk runs his routes far more than Debo Samuel. So um, there will be oh, – and one other thing about Trey Lance and how is he going to change the 49ers, uh, while he is definitely a threat to take goal line touchdowns, overall Niners running backs had 5.2 yards per carry last year with Lance at quarterback. I mean, he is going to create gape. It's going to part like the sea with that threat back there. And in this, this uh, Shanahan, the holes are just going to – be wide open for whomever that running back is with Lance as the dual threat uh, now calling calling hike. A couple things real quick. Uh, not only is he inexperienced, but he in his barely playing last year, he suffered a knee sprain and 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 he broke his his finger. So maybe he turns out to be injury prone as well. But also everyone made fun of his, I'm not sure he throws a perfect spiral, but it absolutely cannot be underrated. I know it's an excuse, but it cannot be underlooked that the dude had to change his entire throwing motion while dealing with this crazy broken finger that it like rolled up on his knuckle and it just changes mechanics. And that's what led to these dead arm rumors uh, during the off season. But anyway, as you see behind me, I have a, a commissioned art of Trey Lance <laughs> yes. and I'm wearing his shirt, the Trey area. Uh, I'm a big <laughs> believer if you haven't, if you haven't got that by now. Yeah. And I'm I'm in the bag too. As soon as they took um, Trey Lance, I was like, "This is wheels up for this offense." And obviously, it didn't. I was expected to happen more as a rookie than it did. I think they were clearly their plan all along, as long as they were in contention, was to start Jimmy G all year. I really think they wanted this to be a Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes type situation. Now they didn't execute the second part of that very well, where uh, Washington traded a boatload of picks for Alex Smith to get him from the Kansas City Chiefs. So um, that part Just of it Just to cut you off real quick, with... Shanahan has admitted that he was uh, looking into turning to yep. Lance, even with the injury last year, when they were looked out of the playoffs. They were one loss away from basically being done, and they went on a run, and they just kept winning. So, so that I mean, that that's, that's what happened there. There was absolutely one week away from possibly Lance playing the final half of last year. Yeah, 100%. That's that's what I'm saying. Like, as long as they were in contention, they were going to keep playing the veteran, the guy that they knew and were familiar with. But, you know, the plan was all along to, to make this Trey Lance's team. And it is Trey Lance's team now. That's been that's been clear. They've made that clear all offseason. And, man, I, I, I agree with you that it's obviously from a fantasy angle, he's going to, you know, run the hell out of the ball, and that's going to be great. But they're opening different areas of the field that were just never available under the Jimmy Garoppolo offense. I mean, even um, like we're big Brandon. Are you guys, he didn't even have his big games as a rookie with Jimmy Garoppolo there. Really. It was with some of these backup quarterbacks and stuff like that. So it's, it's just a transformative effect. I think for the entire offense, it's obviously for Ayuk. We'll talk about the pass catchers specifically in a second, but for the entire offense, like, they're going to be different things are going to be available that never were going to be with Jimmy Garoppolo. And the rushing part of it is well taken. We typically see running backs be more efficient with mobile quarterbacks, at least from a yards per carry standpoint. So that's not to be expected. I'm not drafting any of these running backs where they're going. Um, I mean, I'm fine taking late round flyers on like Trey Sermon or Jeff Wilson or whatever, but really not that into Elijah Mitchell where he goes necessarily. But um, yeah, I mean, Trey Lance. All right. So bottom line, where do you have Trey Lance ranked in fantasy? Oh boy. Uh, I was going to talk the running back situation. You, you will just laugh at me. I, I, well, I have him as my QB five right now, um, <laughs> but man, on, honestly, I've been in drafts where I've taken him over Lamar Jackson. I just, I can't help myself. He's basically my QB two. He's basically my QB two and all on. I'm drafting him at basically if Josh Allen's off the board, I'm looking to Lance. I, cause I kept taking hurts and I've realized that if I make that decision, I'm not going to, you know, you're not going to go double up that early. So I got to make the decision and I've just been going, going all in on Lance. And again, injury prone, zero history i'm a crazy person don't don't listen to me there but i do have a little bit of of thoughts on the backfield situation okay yeah backfield. let's, okay. let's right. go for it okay reasons not to draft elijah mitchell include long list of injuries not being targeted much in the passing game and trey lance maybe stealing some rushing tds but i see a lot of bad reasons to avoid him like a crowded backfield they have a lot of bodies but no he, mitchell is the clear number one when healthy there believe me and i even hear people being like debo they do like debo it does not matter that some targets to debo samuel turn into rushes that does not matter even a little bit i do not understand the galaxy brain of that thought process there but elijah mitchell 
uh, is one of the running backs available in the quote unquote dead zone who could be a monster, even even especially if they throw it to him a little bit more. But in that system, as the clear number one, if his body holds up, there's a lot of upside. But man, there's a lot of a lot of injuries he suffered last year, although he played through a lot of them. And now he's already sidelined all, all the preseason. So um, that that is a concern. But the, the rest and, and you don't love the fact that there's no clear cut guy to back him up. From what I gather, the running backs that impressed the most is whichever one happens to run behind the, the starting offensive line that day in practice. I don't know what Jeff, Jeff Wilson's up to. He's been missing the last couple of weeks. He's the team's best route runner uh, among the running backs. Sermon and and Ty Davis Price have both received both hype and and some some uh, pessimism this offseason. So there's Jordan Mason impressing. So my strategy with the 49ers running backs uh, after Mitchell is take whomever falls latest in that particular draft. And it's fluctuated throughout all of summer. Yeah, there were times where Ty Davis Price was going earlier than Trey Sermon, and then it kind of sounded like Sermon was rising up, but there's been some, you know, iffy reports of late. I'm fine taking late round stabs, basically, just to, just to, just for the injury upside, because that's the biggest problem with Elijah Mitchell. I also think the ceiling is just kind of capped, too. Like, how does he get into the top 12 at the position, you know, is kind of the, the biggest thing there. Like, it, it, I don't even think that's really within his range of outcomes. If we expect Trey Lance to be taking goal line work and he's not really going to get a lot of passes either. He's probably a guy that gets you between 900 and um, a thousand rushing yards and like six touchdowns. Uh, I, I, I just, I'm where he goes in the draft. I think there are not other running backs. I'm necessarily, I haven't first ranked among the dead zone backs, but there are just other positions I'd rather draft than Elijah Mitchell. Yeah, I mean, he had 1,100 yards in 11 games last year while playing through massive injuries. I mean, different I mean, offense, offense could be yeah, offense could be better. I mean, the, I mean, 5.2 yards per carry with with Lance playing quarterback. 5.2 yards per carry. Um, so uh, that's my counter. But I get it. The guy's always hurt. Always hurt. Yeah, he's a, he's a volatile pick. Um, he's a guy that I probably I think. I don't think we'll make your fantasy season basically as long as I just want to be clear that Shanahan trusts him by far the, the most. Yes, there's, there's no yes. like muddled, oh, Shanahanigans or whatever situation here. He loves Mitchell the best to execute that that offense. And then there's a, a big drop off and a bunch of bunch of bodies for the backup. Yeah, 100 percent. I think that is that's definitely true. The, the the reasons to fade Elijah Mitchell are there, but um, I don't think one of them is that like, oh, suddenly. Trey Sermon's going to take his job in week four. Uh, or they drafted is, another horrible, they spent another horrible, third, wasted another third round pick <sighs> on a non-athletic back that did, was unproductive in college. I mean, yeah. Well, Jordan Mason will be the RB1 by week four. But uh, that, yeah. <laughs> I would be less surprised that if Ty Davis Price or Sermon were at this point, frankly. Yeah, it, sound, it does sound like that. No, Mason's, Mason's definitely looked better than him without question. Without question, he's looked better in the preseason than both those, those uh, drafts, uh, both those backs with far higher pedigrees. Yeah, and like we've said, we've seen this story happen before uh, with Elijah Mitchell just last year. Um, so, all right, let's talk about the pass catchers, the fun thing here. I know generally how we feel, but for newer listeners, let's unpack this thing here. We're we're both big Brandon Ayuk guys. You said a few episodes, like a couple weeks ago, that you give it like a 50-50 chance in terms of who's the best receiver on this roster. Dalton, that's a hot take. Explain yourself. I, I, I'm a Niner guy and a homer here. I think Debo Samuel is the most egregiously drafted fantasy player right now. I mean, he's was some borderline top five fantasy receivers being drafted as, despite ranking not ranking top 50 in routes run or top 25 in targets last year. You think he's going to repeat that uh, eight, eight rushing scores on just 59 attempts? Um, I may complain about the backups behind the 49ers in the running back room, but they're far deeper and far healthier than they were last year, which is why Debo got the, those carries. So Ayuk yeah, has shown all the chemistry with the new quarterback. So given the new quarterback and just the lack of, I mean, you know that Debo had never seen more than 81 targets in a season before last year. Long injury history himself. Love Debo, the player, after the catch yards beast yards have to catch beast um, but it's tough to get uh, targets at the line of scrimmage and then lead the league in yards per catch uh, I just don't see it happening regression coming and um, man uh, he is just simply projected to, to not see nearly the same volume as other receivers being drafted around him in fantasy leagues yeah that's the that's the big thing for me um, is I eventually banged him down because I just don't think the targets will be there. You need him to kind of have some rushing work. I think the rushing work will be there for Debo, but it's probably not going to be as much as it was last year. And honestly, that's that's the, the thing for me here with um with with Debo is from a target perspective, weeks one through nine, he had 10 targets per game. Weeks 10 through 18, when this was once Brandon Ayuk was like fully out of the doghouse, he had five targets per game. He had 6.5 rushes per game. 
I don't think he's going to have 6.5 rushes per game. He'll probably have, you know, six. I would say he's like a six target per game player maybe this year. And that's just not enough for where he's going in drafts. And we just, I, I know how much of a hot take it sounds like because of the season that Debo Samuel had last year in fantasy. But I agree with you that it's kind of a 50-50 shot as to who's the better, um, like, real-life receiver here, too. Uh, not just fantasy, either, but, like, real-life receiver. Debo is great. He's one of the best zone-beating receivers in the NFL. Um, but Ayuk made strides as a player even last year. And he's one of these guys, like I said up top with Jerry Judy, where he was at 75.5% success rate versus man in reception perception as a rookie. The guys that do that, the list of players they go on to be some of the best receivers in the NFL. These guys don't often fail. So, and like I, you put it on, on the stat sheet too, was top 20 of top 20 fantasy receiver from weeks eight on. And you can get him out easily outside the top 25 receivers, depending on your drafts too. Like you could probably get him outside the top 35 receivers. And I, I think he's just a smash pick every single time there. Like, unless Trey Lance absolutely sucks. And I don't think he's going to absolutely suck. I don't really see a way that Ayuk fails this year. Wingspan of Calvin Johnson, quietly among the league leaders in targets inside the five of the last two years. Even, even with missing basically the first half of last year, he's just, uh, like I said, laps his teammates Samuel and Kittle when they get inside the 10. So yeah, all offseason, just highlight after highlight with Trey Lance. Um, I mean, yeah, I just, I just think the way, the area in which the field he runs his routes compared to Debo and just the chemistry with the new quarterback. I love Ayuk. Admittedly, there's a lot of helium with the reports. He's been a star in camp. His, uh, his draft cost, his, uh, his ADP is just soared throughout summer. But man, I think rightfully so. I, I love Ayuk. And like I've said, I think there's like a 50-50 chance he has more fantasy points than Debo Samuel this year. And they've been, been drafted rounds and rounds apart. Yeah, I still don't mind Debo, but he's got to go later than his ADP. I think he's still going to have a good year, and I think he's still a very, very, very good receiver. But um, I do think Ayuk is the is the better value at this point. It's just you don't have to take many leaps of faith to buy the optimistic case for Brandon Ayuk and um, everybody's rhetoric, like you said, um, from from training camp. Coaching staff, most important. Teammates, very important. And, all, and of course, beat reporters as well. Everybody's been on the same page. Last guy here is George Kittle. Man, you know, I, I said that the biggest, the guy that I um, banged in, in order to bring Brandon Ayuk up in my projections, which I think absolutely had to happen, the guy I banged the most was Debo Samuel. Am I, but I think that there's a chance George Kittle might be the one out of these three that gets the, gets, really gets banged this year, right? Like he's turning 29 in October. Um, he's had injury problems. Uh, I, I think there's a chance that his target totals are just not at all what you want to be for a guy that does consistently get drafted in the top five tight ends. Yeah, he has on his range of outcomes. It is fantasy tight end one. Um, I believe he holds the record or he did for the most yards in the season by a tight end. But uh, just given his situation, I don't love him for, for fantasy either. Maybe the best real life tight end now um, that Gronk's out of the league um, with his blocking ability uh, co combined. Um, but he's just not used as the goal at the goal line. And now there's a, you know, a question mark at, at the quarterback position. And also he's very, very injury prone. I mean, even last year he suffered this cap injury week one and just he may have played, but just wasn't close to the same player. And he's only getting older. So, yeah, I don't love him in fantasy. And, and I've been the guy drafting Schultz even even ahead of him. Um, but I hope I hope he proves me wrong because there's there's plenty of upside here. There's just a lot of unknown how he's going to be targeted. But one other guy I want to throw a couple other guys I want to throw you. Uh, well, just one is, one point one point one point on Kittle. Like you okay. mentioned, like the year he had his his highest yardage total, thirteen, uh, I mean one thousand three hundred seventy seven yards. That's just a, an absolute ton for a tight end. The receivers on that 2018 49ers team, Dante Pettis, lol. Remember how that went? Uh, Pierre Garcon, Kendrick Bourne, like Ayuk and. And Debo are well. I, I Debo already is a a star level player, and I think this is the year Ayuk joins the star club. I, I just have a tough time seeing you know a guy last year ninety four targets in fourteen games. I think there's a chance he could be right around like you know hundred to ninety this year, which is is fine. But it just depends on where you're like from an overall perspective where you're drafting. I don't think you can really rank him lower than tight end six. But oh, I definitely I, not. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could hear an argument for Dalton Schultz over um, George Kittle. I personally can't do it, but he can do he can do a lot with a little George Kittle. Surprisingly, at his career high tight end uh, touchdowns last year was six. 
But again, just never a guy that makes it into my draft plans. But who are the other guys on 49ers you want to talk about? Yeah, it segues well with the competition. It's going to be a run-first team with some competition for targets. But Danny Gray, the rookie, looks yeah. like he's going to emerge immediately as a wide receiver three. My guy, Juwan Jennings, is disappointed with drops. And Gray can fly. I think he's 98th percentile in the 40. He also has big hands and is an underrated prospect because he like had to tragic tragedy caused him to like miss a year of development in high school yeah. or, or, or first year of college. Um, but he's looked really good throughout summer. And if injuries were to strike, again, and a run first team with a lot of targets so you know, only if you're in a super deep I've been taking him in the 20th round of some leagues but if you're in a really deep league and and when injuries strike Debo and or Ayuk or Kittle uh, maybe Gray emerges and then finally here the Niners defense I've ranked number two they aren't drafted like that at all uh, they just look loaded to me with a nice schedule of opening up by the way if you, even if for the only reason to draft them highly um, they, they start the year against the Bears and then at home against Seattle but Nick Bosa I bet on to win defensive player of the year at 15 to 1 I believe saw the most double, by far the most double teams in the NFL last season, yet still recorded 15 and a half sacks, uh, finished uh, top uh, eight in, in pass rush win rate, coming off major knee surgery, much deeper SF line now. Have you seen the uh, Javon Kinlaw? Just looks, dude is built different. Um, and I also don't don't hate the Drake uh, Jackson at 33 to one to win rookie of the year, <laughs> defensive player of the year there too. But again, again, I might be something of a homer. Perhaps. Um, I think you have basically everybody except Debo ranked ahead of ADP. No, I'm just not kidding. Kittle. No, Kittle. <laughs> not Kittle. Not yeah, Kittle. not Kittle. Uh, but I like your I like your call about Danny Gray. Somebody to remember caught a big touchdown from Trey Lance the preseason. And yeah, it just it's all about a guy like Ayuk who can win deep and outside the numbers. A guy like Danny Gray who can stretch the field out as well. This The key thing for the Niners here is this offense is going to look different. It ain't, it ain't, it's not your dad's 49ers anymore. It's not even your uh, older brother's 49ers anymore. This team is very different. And I'm just, I'm so, they're one of the teams I can't wait to watch. I mean, I know that we've been in the bag uh, for the 49ers. Obviously, you're you're a real fan. I'm like a, I don't even know what I am. But um, I, I really love the players here, and I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, Garoppolo's still in the roster as we speak, which is crazy. Uh, Trey Lance, I mean, such an unknown, the biggest wild card of the the 2022 NFL season. And uh, who knows? I mean, suddenly it'd be Nate, Nate Stud. Feld might might be the starting quarterback for, for the San Francisco 49ers. But uh yeah, it's a it's a it's a team with a wide, wide range of outcomes, but uh certainly a lot of upside both in real life and in fantasy. All right, man. I feel like we could talk another 30 minutes about the Niners, but that is gonna do it for us. You can follow Dalton on Twitter at Dalton Del Don. You can follow me at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And while you're there, Make sure you're following at Yahoo Fantasy. Hey, leave us like a five star review, huh? How about that? Like, I don't, I don't know, shill for reviews enough. Uh, now that I'm hosting this podcast, I guess I got to start doing that too. Leave us reviews. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you tell us what you like about the podcast. And if you don't like it, just tell me uh, directly on Twitter and don't leave it in the review. How about that? All right, Frank Schwab will be back tomorrow for a jam packed show where we preview both the Super Bowl champion L.A. Rams and everybody's favorite fantasy offense, the Kansas City Chiefs. Until then, we're out.